listening to the Mondays with Midja podcast. Founder and CEO of Legal Leadership, a company specialising in the leadership training and coaching of lawyers. Get set to jumpstart your week with a shot of mojo as Midja and her guests talk all things life, love and leadership. Hey, it's Monday and I'm Midja and welcome to the podcast all about life, love and leadership. In our studio today, we have the fabulous Larissa Rose, uh, who I've known for a few years now. She is well known on the Gold Coast uh, and in Australia and globally for the work she does in the environmental space. She is the director and founder of GG Enviro and I want to welcome her to the podcast studio. Amazing. Thank you, Midja. It's um, wonderful to align and be able to have this discussion today. Absolutely. We have not seen each other in person for a little while, but of course, through, through socials and stuff, I feel like we're always connected. For sure. Um, now, before a guest comes on the podcast, mm-hmm. I do my homework and Google and so forth, but tell me something, Larissa, that I would not have found out about you on Google. I used to do lots of archery. Oh, mm. uh, is that a family An thing? Archer? It, um, it was more of my first relationship. We used to do archery together all the time. And then I oh. used to do a lot of um, bow hunting as well, which now mortifies me because when I had my first child, mm. I couldn't shoot animals anymore with a bow and arrow. I used wow. to go out hunting. Yeah, yes. super random because I'm in an environment people think it would not be a part of who I am and my constitutional personality. But yes. It was more around we shot a lot of feral species on farms and stuff like ah, that. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. No. So that is something that I've learned about you and our listeners would have as well. <laughs> Love it. Massively, I don't drop that conversation piece very often. <laughs> so tell me about where you got to where you are basically because um, – you know, why the decision to do this line of work and to study in this area? Talk to me about that, the why, the passion behind it, the connection. Is there a story around the decision to work in this space? Yeah, there is, and it's quite um, pivotal and I really hope it adds value mm. to everyone listening because I changed my whole career from being – I was a chef I heard, I way back that in the day. You were a chef, yes. And then I decided I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to be a florist in my mid-20s. Oh. So I did floristry. And then I got to 28, 29, 28 or so, and divorced and went through this space, which you kind of do probably a lot as a mother. I have two children at that time going, well, what am I doing? What's important to me? And where do I see myself? And I want to be able to shape up a career that gives me the capacity to be able to provide and, um, you know, grow my world and my life now as an independent person. So I made that decision when I was about 28, 29 to do that. And I went back and started – well, I didn't go back because I'd never been before. I started uni as a 29-year-old. Okay. And started doing all my, yeah, environment and degrees. Why, and why – You'll environmental love science. Yeah. Well, in the middle of that sort of grey, dark phase that we all yes. have after the, the separation. That comes yes. From that. yes. <laughs> the dark magic I heard from a holistic workshop thing I was at yes. the other week, the dark magic period, mm. is that um, I 
was reading the Gold Coast Bulletin and on the back of the Gold Coast Bulletin was this article that talked about um, a gentleman who'd come over from China to bring over a wave movement technology and he was trialling it at the spit. Okay. So wave movement technology is a type of renewable energy where the current movement in the tides, which is consistently going all the time, ever going, yep. um, moves these sort of um, counteracting kind of levers that creates kinetic energy. So that energy turns into we can use that. generators. Yeah. yeah. And I read that article and I went, wow. And I ripped it out and I wrote my new job, put it in a yellow envelope. And to fast track that, I worked with him a year later. That's I was I say random, but may, maybe it was the universe. I don't know. Well, I started then going, okay, well, I need to get some credentials behind me. So mm-hmm. I started at Bond and then I looked at the conferences that were coming up in environment going, okay, well, I've got to submerge myself in this industry. And that guy was speaking at the conference. Do you feel like, um, I know, whose quote is it? Is it Victor Frankl's? that we detect rather than invent our mission in life. Did you find did you feel that maybe it was this kind of work or this connection with this work was always kind of inside you that this that there was a passion always there or cuz I'm cuz I'm imagining mm. like I read the newspaper and read books and articles all the time and I'm not ripping things out and putting it into envelopes. So there must have been something there was some pull mm. on that topic and that issue for you. It was. It was exponential. I just lived and breathed and read everything and I went to that conference and heard him speak and went up to him when he finished speaking and said, can I work with you? I'd love to do some work experience and work with you. So I did work experience for six weeks and then he took me on part-time and I was studying at uni as well and plus I think I had another job going on the side to keep it all moving. But yeah, and it does, that, that anchoring of that feeling, I think for me, would that's probably been that one time in my life that it felt so real and fluid in that yes. drawnness. I mm. love that. And because and I certainly find that in my work and you know like I didn't find it as a lawyer. You know, I was doing the work and I thought oh, I don't think I'm a very good lawyer and I just did just didn't connect. I didn't feel it was the best work that I could be doing and and it didn't light me up. Um but certainly when I started, you know, coaching and facilitating and speaking and stuff like that. And even last week I was in Melbourne with some scientists, the Bureau of Meteorology, and oh, it's just my happy place. I was just like, oh, I was only in tears of just the joy of of being able to spend those two days with that group of people. And people ask me a lot because they go, well, Midge, but, you know, you're an idealist. Like, can I really find that sort of connection and that sort of passion from, in inverted commas, the work? that I do like is it possible for everyone and what and I don't know kind of what I say but what what would you say to that because you have that in the work that you do I I absolutely know it yeah possible for everyone yeah it's tricky because I probably had that thought process as well at times where I'm Mm. like you know what is that thing you know I went through well I took I'm in third career now yes so and I always used to be slightly probably embarrassed or mortified that I didn't know my thing or I wasn't all over it um, but as I say to my interns all the time who come through um, our work is that it's sort of okay not to know sometimes but when mm. when you get there you'll feel that synchronicity. Yes. And so my, in answer to that, if someone asked me, um, I for sure would say it's there for you mm. but this is a part of the journey now for you to succinct up with it. But it's in going inward and asking yourself those really 
solid questions and what yes. ticks your talk and yeah and it's an interesting one certainly you know I, I suppose we share that sort of commonality around you know for me it well I was I was doing this work inside of a law firm but to start my own business and to really go deep in it was a time where marriage breakdown you know I was in that the dark magic phase do you think that sometimes we can get just caught up in, I don't know, other people's expectations or just one day moving on to a week, moving on to another year and another year and I don't know, like do we have to go through the darkness to kind of be able to do this work and to go inward? Because mm. it would be nice to do it without the crisis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Without the, oh, and the tears. Like yeah. it would be nice just to be able to go – you know what, I'm, this is the work I'm going to do for me. Yeah, without the tectonic plates moving. Yeah. <laughs> and that trigger, I think, I th- sometimes I always visualise it's, it's like it rattles the cage and it, you finally, you know, rattle or mm. move. And I think those catalyst moments that you're making mention of there maybe help shove away shove away or help create clarity because we do get complacent we sit in pre-programmed conditioned behaviors yes what we think we should be doing you know whether you're doing the white picket fence early or you should be doing that or we're supposed to be at uni or i should be working in this firm over here in london now or whatever it is that you know probably a lot of the conditioning that was there i think for me going through Mm -hmm. but i think it took me till i was probably 28 29 and going through that catalyst time i wouldn't Mm. have probably made that shift to be honest major if i hadn't had that tectonic movement in my life to go wow I need to steer my own ship now I need to keep it afloat but I want to be able to go well what do you really want to do Larissa like where are you at what's important to you what adds value mm-hmm. um yeah they're they're the questions that I probably didn't ask when I was like yeah I'll join up I'll become an apprentice chef 17 <laughs> do I really want to do it is this important for me where do I see myself going in that career Nah, didn't do that work just did it yes get settled yeah, the apprenticeship. Yeah, mm-hmm. so absolutely, and it's I, I know uh, our children are kind of around the same ages, and we have those uh, you know teenagers, uh, older teenagers embarking on first careers and first jobs, and and yeah, I always say to them, kind of, you've got to go through it. You know, there's no kind of going over it or under it, and. No one can kind of do the work for you or to tell you that. You've just, and you maybe say this to your interns as well, you've just got to go through it and experience it and. Yeah, wade through it. Take from those experiences. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about sort of when you started and now to the business you have and the leader you are now and, and what's that journey been like? Yeah. Um, I know that's a big question, but I can just see what down. comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. what's in, when I ask you that, what comes to mind? Yeah, well, you know, when you just said that then, I was like, yeah, like my business has made me and shaped me to be the woman I am today, mm. massively. And anyone who's listening knows exactly what it's like when you just start up even the concept, even if you're just sole tradering it, you know, and you're moving through. And, and a lot of my business was sole trader for most of the time yes. and then – you know, we've progressed across becoming a company and things like that, which is just li- literally just paperwork. But it can change your mindset too. And you're like, oh, we're a company now. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it has made and shaped me. And it's been um, it's been a beast of a journey. Mm. 
Like mm. honestly, it's challenged me and squeezed me so many times as as you would know, Midgey, you know. And what it's done is I think it's really brought to the surface and highlighted for me those self-worth values, um, the low parts of me that probably needed more work. The business has definitely pointed into those corners around self-worth and value. Yes. Um, and where I needed to expand and grow, maybe reprogram my thinking and mindset mm-hmm. around it, preconditioned behaviours. Yes. Um, those insecurities that sit there. You know, I'm very kind of strong personality and dynamic and happy and engaging and all of that. But, you know, I have moments sometimes where I'm like, wow, I don't think I can do this. Or how am I going to make it happen? Or through those bouts of the business model, you're like, wow, I don't even think I can get through this next quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Let alone, how do you put on an FTE? Yes. What does that look like? What the hell is that stuff? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, it's it's grown and shaped me. But it's, um, we've grown exponentially too the last few years, which is. I've seen that. Which has been I solid. Mean, like, you know, watching going, you go. <laughs> Um, because I remember, like, you know, sort of the first conversation we had, which may have been years ago now, at Nobby's Beach here, we sat and had a cocktail mm. one afternoon. And, um, yeah, just talking about business and, and vision and and all of that. And I think that's the great thing about being connected to people and and is being able to watch that growth and that experience and and you sort of of course only get one version of that and as you said there's certainly a lot of work in the background and sometimes some of that self-doubt that that comes through Mm. um you as a leader what's important for you if I if I ask you about when people would describe your leadership when people you know um what's important for you from a from a legacy point of view how do you want to be described what's important yeah um so I guess I can sort of see two aspects how I see myself on how I like to lead and then maybe the perception of how I am seen as a leader but um I'm really big on intentionality and I know we kind of Mm. had a bit of a chinwag about that brief of that word earlier but it's always been a big one for me and a way that I I'd lead and give that certain sense of self ownership and accountability that whether it's team leaders or the interns or children whoever is around you know your children around you is around that and you know being very intentional Mm -hmm. um so that's really you know big for me on that one um and that's kind of bit of a broad word it's um, I was gonna say how do you practice that yeah well I think that that comes down to that sort of daily accountability isn't it um having the intentionality but doing the work understanding that the why, the purpose, um, the importance of what you're doing it for and having intentionality is, is important because you have to build that connectivity to those goals and what that greater outcome is mm-hmm. um, and having that more visionary context of who you are, where you're going, why you're doing it, how does this add value, how is this purposeful and impactful change that you're making I guess there's some of those probably keywords with my leadership as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be connected to something on the horizon that you're shooting for. Yes. But as we all know, there's those trillion little micro steps in between that and the big macro one down the line mm-hmm. um, to get where you want to go. So, yeah, I'm, I think also I'm very um, – feedback I've had over the times with the interns has been 
my very holistic approach with leadership as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and my leadership can sort of tend to want to poke and prod around what are those questions inside that are going on for you that would help you show up to be a much more stronger and more committed um you know, employee or a worker mm-hmm. or, you know, intern who's coming in for the day or even, you know, your own children or your friends, I guess, isn't it? Yes. Ripple effect of that leadership. And being courageous is always a big one. Mm. I, I am courageous and I'm scared inside <laughs> still sometimes, <laughs> but I hold on to that courage that I know that I have mm. because that gives me that conviction that knowing I can, I can know I can do this and I can go. So I sort of like hold on to it while I'm going through the ride. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it getting easier because you've stepped out and you've done it and you've stepped again and, it's, and you've done it and you've stepped again? So is, is, is it getting easier for you to kind of feel that but do it anyway? Yeah, feel the fear and do it anyway. I love yeah. that book. Uh, yes, it is. And the, how I make it easier mm-hmm. is I've got to stop and turn around and look back. Yes. And recalibrate and check the stuff I have done. Okay. And remember the fear or the insecurity mm. or the lack of courage I may have felt in those other times of t- trials and tribulations that we all go through and go do the reset, recheck and yes. then go, oh, okay, look, you've done this before, just you've got this, just jump, go, go, go. Yes, mm. absolutely. And sometimes I find, you know, if I'm working with someone and, and there might be certain paradigms or certain scripting around themselves or a piece of work or whatever it might be. And then when we go back and we kind of, we look at some of those absolute statements or, or and some of the evidence, we start to go, well, hang on, but you did that and that happened. And they go, oh, that's right. And then we might point to something else and they go, oh, that's right. So, I think, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we, in the busyness or we just do the next thing or whatever it might be, we don't take the time, as you said, to to recalibrate, to to reset and to really think about some of those those past achievements or successes and what we told ourselves about those things. Yeah, and you said the key word before, it's evidence-based. Yes. Mm. Our brains like the evidence. Mm. Um, mm. Got to look back and... You know, cheer yourself for those little moments that in that moment they were huge. You look at them now and go, oh, that's nothing compared to this molehill I've got to get through now. But yes. Yeah. yes. But at the time, those those same feelings. Mm. I like the part you said around the, the, the bigger vision and breaking that down as well. Because um, I think that's an important trait in leadership. You know, sometimes you can get the, the high, level, high level vision piece mm. Um, but an inability to be able to bring that down to individuals about, well, how do I contribute and what's in this for me? Or you get the the grind of the daily piece without the the overall vision. Mm. And as leaders, we've got to kind of be able to do both and and hold the space for both. Yeah. There's a gentleman called Brandon Dawson who does a lot of work um, in the United States. He's sold multi multi-trillion million dollar kind of companies and he has a principle especially around their employees which is around their leadership model on how they hire and fire mm-hmm. and promote their employees and it's everything is built around the premise of they 
curate and work with their employees and everything's on your personal, professional and financial goals. And as having an employer that sits down with you and, you know, and this is where I see beautiful leadership straight away, is Brandon's philosophy is around ensuring that you have sat down and mapped out with your employees around what their personal, professional, financial goals are because that instills and invigorates your team leaders to be a part of the team and to also feel that sense of connection and um, the bigger champion winning sort of philosophy in the team leader that your employer is there to help champion you. If your goals in two years for your professional side of things is to get an extra added on part of the degree, well, a part of that is that your employer would be supporting you to achieve that or, you know, financially you may be wanting to get to a certain retainer but Mm -hmm. your employer would be sitting down to map that out with you. Well, what is that and what does that look like and what you would be needing to do? So I think that's where this intentionality comes in quite important with his philosophy and, um, yes, as the personal side as well, his philosophy is around – with your team members, you want to know what their personal goals are. If they're wanting to get their high qualification diving course and that invigorates them and it's going to cost them 10K to get that and they need to go to Fiji to do this special one, Mm -hmm. then you would be understanding of that and championing that as the big leader. And then also you would be working out what that looks like and means for your employee, whether that's, okay, well, you've got to be away and... 2023 for that goal and you're going to be away for eight weeks Mm -hmm. and and this is now linked to your financial goal because by next year you'd like your retainer to be an extra 15 or 20k you know that's where it gets really intentional with this ppf system which they call it the professional personal professional financial goals so i love look up brandon dawson and natalie dawson they really run that um and they run yeah workshops around yeah employees employers um embedding that philosophy and mentality and you know and I love that because when we you know when I talk to team members uh often if I go into an organization and you know have some one-to-ones with team members or some group sort of Q&A's and so forth themes that come up you know I don't feel valued Mm. I don't feel understood I've got a whole lot of stuff as you said but personal stuff going on over here that you know, my leader doesn't understand and, yeah, that like one-size-fits-all kind of approach to performance reviews, goal-setting, anything else. Um, so, yeah, this concept, as you said, the personalisation of it, uh, the, the, you know, humanising leadership and... And seeing that alignment for them and their own goals and not just that, well, it's your business and I'm working for you and your goals and your financial, you know, success, but that they're actually working like their own little mini business and life within a Mm. company. Yeah. That's got to make a difference to commitment. It would be. And as you know, (laughs) that retaining your staff – and how would you build that? You would, you would want. It, how amazing is it when you know that your boss is cheering you on, on the so journey, cool. on the bigger picture journey you have with your own personal stuff, or you know you're saving to try and get a house, and in three years' time you need to be on this retainer for it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yep, all right, we can make that happen. Let's map out what that is and what that looks like yeah. and what that means now." 
yeah. to help shape up where you want to get to. Yeah. And so certainly I know that you uh, in the in your company have um, interns that come in to do work and I'm always interested to hear from business owners around when they're recruiting our new sort of generation, if you like, of, of professionals coming into the workforce. What do you think they're looking for in, in roles? What are they looking for from their leaders? What are you seeing or what are you hearing? Um, from and I know that can be individual wants and needs, but just generally, what what are people saying? This is what I want from my work. This is what I want from my employee, my employer. Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, as an employer, I have taken just to help provide some context and value there. Mm. So our company, GG Enviro, we've taken over the last four and a half, probably nearly five years now, we've taken over 40 interns. Wow. So this probably helps answer some of that leadership question mm. you said before. The reason why I've done that is, is I felt like I've always had a duty of care to support, evolve and stabilise and grow my industry and sector, which is the environmental sector. Mm which is a huge, that's an umbrella and there's many micro sectors underneath the environment. But there's a role that I have as a leader in my sector to ensure that I'm training up and creating those leaders of the future. Mm-hmm. So it's always been our internship programs have been around building the leaders of the future. So what I've felt and needed as in what's expected with these people to be retained mm-hmm. um, has morphed and changed and I think maybe it's a little bit because – our environment sector has changed significantly over the last – a lot over the last four to five years, but a lot from when I started at 12 years ago. Environmental mm-hmm. consultants were very clunky. It was just a little bit like law, just regulatory compliance sort of side of things. So you needed to have an – there was an expectation you needed to have that sort of um, capabilities and things like that, which was all just technical skill set. But I've obviously really want someone who is um, – got ownership, you know, dedication, capacity to think outside the box and ability to be able to um, think exponentially as well, you know. So that's for me around that, but just to help couple all this tight, tie it up tightly, what I was just talking about. So over that time, I've seen so many interns that have come and gone in, but they also have an appetite that has changed on who they want to work for too. Yes. You know, that's been a big one. It's from the days when you and I probably put up with a lot of BS because that's what we should do and you don't rock the boat and you don't say anything. Yes. Compared to our values of like, oh, we've got no values, we just go into work and just accept to be probably treated a bit like poo-poo sometimes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and belittled and put down mm-hmm. and made to feel just mediocrity. Yes. Whereas um, my philosophy and dialogue is, yeah, there's a way that you can talk about what you didn't do right and correct and how you could mm-hmm. change. But... Um, I've noticed a lot of them expecting they want quality people to work with as well. Yes. They don't want to put up with that old school mentality thing that, you know, you, you would have had prolifically in your sector. Absolutely. And, and I had in mine and even my previous one in chefing, like it was mm-hmm. notorious. Um, so I don't know if I've really even helped answer any of that. Then I went on a tangent. but No, yeah, no, worthwhile though. Worthwhile some of those comments around just how – uh, yeah, the working environment has changed yeah. and people's expectations mm. on both sides, employer and employee, mm. how those expectations have changed. Yeah, they have. So I know in your business, and maybe this is the case, I'm kind of making an assumption here, is that particularly from interns and people coming in, that they may work for the company for 
a certain amount of time. So they might come, do a piece of work and go. Um, so certainly, can you talk to us particularly around then, uh, like your onboarding of those people um, and just, I suppose, connecting them in with your company when you know it might only be a short amount of time. And I suppose, I suppose where I'm going with this is I hear a lot of business owners um, who kind of, if they're going to invest in their people, they want to nail them to the floor <laughs> and go, right, if I'm doing some training and some mentoring with you and you're not going anywhere, and then when they leave or when they just, then there's like, I can't believe I invested in them. And, and that I, I hear that a lot from business owners. And I kind of just want to get your take on it because I I get that, yeah, you'll have interns come in or students and they'll do a piece of work and then go and then might come back and there's there's fluidity in that. So talk to me around that that concept of, of mentorship and expectation and people coming and doing work and maybe leaving and that, that on-demand kind of workforce. Yeah. Maybe I don't have so much of that mindset that you just mentioned before that that methodology of thinking um mine's very much probably attached to what i made mention of as around that duty of care to i have as a leader to Mm -hmm. make and shape the leaders of the future who are going to help drive and take my industry and sector i love that ahead it's it's just such a it takes a different paradigm to have right it takes away that hostility or that annoyedness which i'm presuming and you owe me something yeah that kind of piece that i find yes set it free i don't let that contaminate my mind Mm. so yeah taking on lots of interns our intern program's been really abound around um which is why we've probably got so much demand for it i have to push back is um because all the interns that work through us whether their work experience or actually doing a proper internship is they get to work on real life projects Mm. so when they walk out the door They've got something that they could point to on a public domain to some degree. Yes. Or um, or they we've curated a fresh new project with them. Mm. So we mentor them over that eight-week period um, and shape them up so they treat it like, well, this is a practice mini of what it's like as a job. Yes. So taking on, yes, we've taken on a few interns. So over that five years I've had a few who have uh, been employed and have come and gone. Uh, one wanted to move out of environment and go into. He was actually media and journalism, and he wanted to move into the sporting arena and went to London and had opportunities. Completely different. Yeah, yes. yeah, and other parts of Australia. So I've had them all come and go, but it's quite cute because I feel like oh, there's all my cool little interns sprinkled everywhere, and that impactful, purposeful change that I've done in some little way, shape, or form. And I know they all come back and say that. But a lot of it, yes, I teach the, we teach the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. This is how you need to write environmental management plan when you leave uni, okay? Yeah. I know yeah. you didn't get taught at uni. Here's but the outline. This yeah. is it. So we're going to mm-hmm. do a big practice round in your internship. But, um, but it's all the other part of mentoring, mm. self-worth and value. A lot of those little demons come up when we're sitting and mapping out a lot of stuff with those interns over eight weeks. All their self-worth and value stuff comes up feeling lack of, not good enough or not sure where they're going or what they're doing or unsure if they should even be doing this career. So um, a lot of mentoring and I think out of all the interns we've had, that's probably been, yes, they love the fact that they do real stuff, but they come away so much and feel so much more grown and evolved mm. from that period of time. And that's 
that for me, I think for me coming even nothing to do with environment now, it feels like my, just my own personal duty of care yes. of what I need to do. And I can run that through the platform of obviously having an environmental company. Yeah. yeah. And certainly sometimes I remember doing some work with uh, a corporate anthropologist and he would often say that. He'd say, you know, like, of course – uh, organizations and companies have a purpose and they deliver a certain service or product but sort of underneath that often is uh, is another sort of core fundamental kind of thing that the owner of the business achieves and and yes yeah, certainly what I'm hearing from you in that in that mentorship space and that self-worth and that confidence and and all of that yeah people leave with technical skills but they also leave uh, thinking differently about themselves yeah. and their approach mm. and what a gift. And we know it can make such a huge difference. You know, when I talked about one of the first questions I often ask people in workshops is talk to me about someone or, you know, a leader that's really influenced you mm. and left an impact. And sometimes, you know, it – it may be a leader they've had only for a short period of time. It may be 15, 20 years ago and they still can – there's a quote or there's something from that leader that they still remember and they go, I bet that leader doesn't even – that person doesn't even know that they made that. It's like a teacher or whatever. But they stick. And I just think as a leader, like what a privilege to – and you may never know the difference you made but what a privilege to give that – to someone that they then take it as you said to maybe the other side of the world yep. in a completely different career but they take that with them yeah it's I think I grew up a lot not having a lot of confidence mm. and not being super intentional or going oh I don't really know like what I'm doing or struggling with that purpose piece yes we can struggle with it when you're 15 you can struggle with it when you're <laughs> 30 40 you know you can struggle yep. with any time but um, for me, it was instilling confidence. Like for me, that's huge in leadership, instilling confidence, not the opposite of what we have going through yes. our bosses. They yes. weren't instilling confidence. I was in friction. But um, instilling confidence is a big one and I think that's where that impact touch point that you mentioned when you remember someone 15 years ago who did something or stood by you or you know, made you think about something differently or just lifted you in that space where you probably needed lifting. Yeah. Because you, everyone needs a good nudge because you can be hard on yourself. So you've got to help someone come in to help quiet down those voices that say sometimes you're not mm. not so super awesome at that. But you know you are <laughs> a little bit, but the nasty voices. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a segment on the podcast. We, we name it Leader Shit and it's sort of the shittiest thing we've done in leadership. It's sort of a, like a confessional so something, oh, and I've got many stories, um, something maybe you've done that, I'll, like you're thinking, I wouldn't do that again. So a mistake you've made um, or, you know, just something that you tried, maybe it's a story or just an approach that you're like, mm, didn't work for me as a leader and now I do it differently. Is there something that comes to mind for you? Mm, I've, I felt like I've... I'm trying to break this question in a way as in like something that was a flunky moment yeah. or sh as in just in, in business stuff or I'm trying to think of what if I keep it channeled in leadership, what have I done in my leadership that's not been as good compared to mm. 
So it might have been I, recruitment decisions. It might have been what you did around mistakes that were made or – Yeah. You can tell I'm channeling my own dark <laughs> moments of leading teams where I'm like, oops, a daisy, that wasn't a great hire. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have not felt too bad with hire, that side of things. Um I can probably add some value. I can't really like nail something that specifically about, well, when I did this leadership, it was completely a blowout and it was just turned into a mess. But um, I think one that might come to mind, which might help add some value. So I started an industry association probably about six years ago maybe and I just went in it gung-ho, just thinking I was fine, I was going to make it work, it was all going to happen. So I think my leadership in that was around naivety um, and it went really well for a fair few years but then the industry just sort of didn't seem to uptake our association. We weren't getting memberships we were supposed to do but I just didn't keep – I just kept going and going and going and I think maybe it was – maybe I can pull myself up on my own leadership to myself. Yes. So let's look at it from that position – I'm wanting to be this leader and doing all this stuff, but I'm actually not leading myself to identify that this association isn't actually going to work yeah. and I need to shut it down. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I had to close that industry association and it was... Called prob- time of. Ah, oh, and it was horrific on my ego. Mm. Yeah, so maybe that leadership on that was my ego was too far involved and it caused yes. that conundrum. Yeah. yeah. There was many other aspects on why that didn't work, but... A learning aspect that came out of that leadership of running an industry association for four years was, oh, I had a little bit of ego attached to it. And not ego as in like I thought it was so awesome and bravado and puffing my yeah. chest plate out. It was probably more – It was still in service. It was still – Absolutely. In that Dedicated space, to it, yeah, absolutely. in renewable yep. fuels. And anyone knows like I'm so into biofuels and renewable fuels. But it – um. It was more that I just didn't want it to defeat me. So it was that part of that ego where you're like, no, I'm going to keep pushing through. Mm. Whereas a full true leader would stop and look at that and go, this isn't working. Yeah. And it needs to stop. Or and that's kind of the recalibrate. A bit of the flip side of what probably has made you is that is being on purpose and being driven and to keep going. So in a lot of a lot of times that's really worked for you. Yeah. But occasionally, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It can be your own demise. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And so, yeah, I think that can be the way in any sort of leadership traits and qualities and things like that. And it's that constant checking in, that that constant sort of, you know, self-evaluation and self-awareness piece and that checking in um, that we have to do. You can't get around it. Yeah, you do. You've got to consistently keep working on yourself with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Before we sort of wrap up on this leadership piece, any other comments from you around um, just what's worked as a leader, Any anything else that you think would add value in someone that, uh, particularly if they're stepping up into, uh, you know, a team leadership space and it's the first time that they've, they're responsible for other people's results and things like that. Any any final sort of tips or or things to add? Yeah, I think the cliche one is obviously having a really good sounding board network, people around you who are sounding boards um, slash mentor, so to speak, yes. whether it's paid or not paid. Um, there's a lot of significant value in having someone that you pay mm. 
mm-hmm. to help leverage to get you where you need to get to. Um, and what else in there? Yeah, really recalibrating and checking in on yourself, as yes. you mentioned there. That's super important because you do go on the tangents and you're going for it all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, being able to sort of pause and recalibrate, I think, is is really a big one. But, yeah, having the importance of that network around you and those people, like when the interns come in straight away, I'm like, you get that LinkedIn sorted. You need to have that. I want yes. you to identify who are the top five, ten companies that you want to work with on the Gold Coast or in Queensland or, you know, like you need to start going to things and jumping in conversations. But, you know, I've had some really amazing champions who've held my hand as well mm. over the years based here on the Gold Coast people who really stood by me steadfast to amplify or corral clients my way to my business mm. and and having those champions is is so important as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've certainly found that as well, is that, um, yeah, for for obviously from like a, a work basis and that referral basis, um, but just people you can be honest and open with and real with and, mm. yeah, because the waves of business and yeah. riding uh, and riding those waves, good network, good yeah. support. Getting rid of that facade that we can have a little bit attached when things might not be going as great and awesome, being able to be, you know, super transparent and clear and being able to have that conversation with people. Like I have in my business where, like, you know, times I'm like, how do you scale? Like how do you – how do people get to knowing they can afford two full-time employees? Like what is yes. that? What does that mean? Like how do these people when work when do it I out? do that? Yes. When do I do it? Do <laughs> I sit down in Excel and map it all out or do they know they had like – another 200k worth of work coming in before they made that decision like you they're hard like everyone has a different version and model of it but you need to be have champions around you to help yeah Mm. corral you through that headspace yeah some (laughs) of that decision making Mm. um now you know larissa on this podcast as well um it is about life love and leadership and i am looking for big love i'm on a bit of a mission at the moment haven't been in the past. I've kind of been a bit more, um, say, loosey-goosey. I don't know if that's the right word to describe my dating life. But, yeah, a bit more I'm not sure what I'm looking for. I'm like, no intentionality about it, mm. right? Now, this year, I don't know, there's been a paradigm shift. Something has happened inside of me. There's, it's a time that I'm like, no, now I think having someone and having a partner and having that I feel like for whatever reason the time is right Mm. Hmm. what do I do about that Larissa like what (laughs) now that I'm trying to set this intention I'm like oh this is this is tough though so dating advice or love advice talk to me about that give me some insight words of wisdom I love this. This is great. Yeah. This is a sign of um, growth and expansion that's happened for you, whether it's around deservedness yeah, and what you know, you're fine-tuning the values of what you want. Yes. When I've gone through those moments as well, like yourself, I've been in a relationship now for three and a half years, so it's a little bit more concrete, but um, the person I'm with now before that, 
I went through the space of going, oh, I've had a few relationships now. I don't think I can get this down pat. So I did some workshop around that sort of stuff, which was a lot around deservedness and self-worth and value things. Mm -hmm. But one of the exercises was to write 101 things on the type of man that you want. But you're writing it real like it's actually real. Like he lives 10 kilometres away. He owns this type of car or he and I'm saying ones that I kind of had like he smell always smells really nice he (sighs) likes to wear nice clothes he enjoys doing that so you've got to write the things that and that exercise pushes your brain to rewrite and reprogram the version of the man that you want in your life compared to the ones that we've done before oh, where we kind of go in unintentional and random. Yeah, it's just loosey Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. What, yep. Because what it does is and what it did for me is it helps create boundaries and defines what my expectations are and what I want as a woman showing up now, you know, late 30s, like mid-40s, going to our 50s. This exercise is powerful because it does make you ask those questions and it can be super mm-hmm. tiny or specific like – he really enjoys wearing like, you know, great quality shoes or he loves to plan spontaneity hiking trips or yep. whatever, whatever resonates with you and yep. stuff that you think might be ridiculously outside the box and the type put of man that in. you want. You put it in, like you write it like it's real, like it's totally done, it's sealed. This is the, this is the guy, this is the man. Mm. Yeah. Because I think certainly when you don't have that intentionality, for me anyway, mm-hmm. Um, I just keep getting this, even a date I went on recently on the weekend and I was like, mm, I'm just not sure. I just think, I don't know what it is. Mm. And my friends then are going, what, what was it? Because he seemed like this, this and this. And I'm like, I just, not, and I can't put it into words and I can't articulate it. And like this, ju- it just continually kind of happens. Yeah. And yeah. The crew are like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, like it's been a long time. <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot of dates. Yes. And every, after every date it's like you just get this look on your face of just and they're just like rolling their eyes. Mm. So I'm looking for wisdom. Yeah, that's so the energetic. That. Yeah, and that's the energetic. And I feel like I turn up and I don't know sort of what to ask and I don't know. I'm just, yep. you know, I'm, I'm very passive and I'm whatever and – I have received feedback from those who have been kind enough to give me feedback. Thank you, men of the Gold Coast. Um, That, like, I'm not sure what you're after or what you're looking for. And that they just didn't get a real connection from me. And I'm like, well, no wonder you're not getting a connection. Like, I know from my work when I'm on point and when I'm truly connected with the client and the work just keeps coming and coming and coming because of it. And... Yes, other aspects of my life, not so much. It's all right. We all can be have those little. <laughs> we're killing it in one section, and the other section, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> not as best in that one. But yeah, I think the energetics view, and it sounds yes. like it's just this fine tuning on what it is exactly that you want, because you'll mm. use that as a gauging system. Then, yes, it's like you've you've written this script. Yes, these hundred and one dot points or eighty three, whatever you want to do, write it to the lucky number you have. But yep. yeah, and that will define and help shape out and, and provide. We all, you know what it's like: transparency, mm-hmm. clarity, mm-hmm. It's the epiphany at times. Yes, um, and when you've got that, then you kind of can move it's, forward. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah, and no more. Mm, yeah, yeah, those kind of moments. 
All right. Well, beautiful. It's going to be exciting when I find him, Larissa. <laughs> You'll know about it. You will know. Um, Great journey. Absolutely. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to sit back. Well, obviously, when I write the dating book, which I'll write at some point. Yes. I will laugh. I'll be sitting with him, you know. Mm. Having our glass of wine or our champagne. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. Ticking off all the numbers that you nailed. Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to happen. Uh, Larissa, it has been an absolute delight to have you in the podcast studio and have a chat. Um, and, yeah, for me what I love about – I know you've been on a lot of different podcasts and been interviewed a lot and, um, and it's nice to take, I think, specific topics and to kind of get your, your views and feelings on that. So – um, for me and I know for our listeners it's going to be very valuable and some real takeaways from our discussion. So thank you. Um, and, of course, we leave with a bit of a woo-woo moment. Ooh. These are little, like it's your message from the universe. Uh, so today I have two boxes. I have trust your crazy ideas or I have dream. Which box do you want to pick from, Larissa? Oh, I'm feeling dream. Yep. That one Excellent. really came up I for me. I saw when I... Mm. Put that. Now let me get the cards out. And you can pick one, whatever. There we go. And just pop it, just open the front of it. It's like a little oh. fortune cookie, but without the cookie part. <laughs> so I always say. If you can dream it, you can do it. Mr. Walt Disney. Love da, da, it. Da, da. Mm. <laughs> a lot of what we spoke about. It is indeed, yeah, and some big decisions I'm making as well at the moment in the company, so that was a cute little clarity. There little, you go. Little That's wink from the universe. Absolutely. <laughs> Dream it. Um, Larissa, so where can people find more uh, about yourself, about your company, if people want to connect platforms and, yeah. and how to do that. You can Google Larissa Rose and you'll see flower. There's a rose called Larissa Rose as well. I was so envious when I Googled and there's your beautiful photos and also surrounded by roses. When you Google me, you don't get that. And I'm like, oh, how cool. That, that, that first page looks so cool in images. So I love <laughs> yes, that. Yes. So you can Google. Larissa, yes. Um, and obviously I'm the director of um, GG Enviro, environmental consultancy business, which we're on pretty much all the platforms except those cool funky ones that if you're anywhere under 25, Are you I'm TikTok-ing? not on. What are you doing, Larissa? No TikTok-ing. TikTok-ing. No snappy <laughs> Snapchat. Is that one old now? Is that one getting a bit old? I think so. This TikTok seems to be the yeah. what, where it's happening, but uh, yeah. Yeah, not for me either. Chat to me on LinkedIn, connect. It's an easy one there. Love that. Thank Mm. you so much. Thank Uh, you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, great chat. And that is a wrap for the episode, everyone. So go out there this week, sprinkle your magic in life and love and leadership, and we'll be back next week. I'm Midja, and thank God it's Monday. We trust you enjoyed this episode of the Mondays with Midja podcast. Host Midja Fisher is a leadership expert, keynote speaker, coach and facilitator. To find out more about Midja, visit midja.com.au or follow her on Instagram, Midja Fisher. And make sure you subscribe, share and leave a review. 